Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure to check out the show notes for more details on today's topics and information about my online class, Dental Insurance Design and Management. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. I'd like to give a shout out to my friends at Synergy Dental Partners for sponsoring our podcast. They know how important the admin team is to our industry. Synergy is a group purchasing organization or GPO. GPOs reduce your overhead with lower supply costs. They also have partnerships with labs and various service providers. You owe it to your revenue cycle to check them out. They're giving Nobody Told Me That listeners a two-month free trial and a $200 Darby credit for new Darby customers. For more information, check out the link in the show notes or go to odysseymgmt.com slash synergy. Hello, we are back with another edition of Nobody Told Me That. And I have uh, pretty much, she's like got a permanent guest spot here on the podcast. Rachel Wall, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Teresa. Thank you for inviting me back. Oh, Always I'd, good to be here. You always bring the knowledge. And so for those of you who have not listened to Rachel before or not familiar with her, she is the uh, founder and president and, you know, big kahuna over at the Inspired <laughs> Hygiene uh, Company. And she is one of my go-tos uh, for hygiene and also just for really reaching out and finding out what's going on in that industry. There are so many things uh, that are coming up on the horizon. And when I say, what the heck is that? What does that mean? Because I see all the scientific stuff. She's the one that I call and say, can you just break this down for me? So this is this is good for everybody that listens that doesn't have a clinical background. One of the topics, first of all, let me just give you a quick teaser. We're going to talk about production, uh, which is always something. Mm -hmm. And of course, she comes to me and says, hey, I've got two different ways of looking at this. I was like, of course, this is why we have you on. And then we're also going to talk about some of the new topics, new procedures, new products that are coming up in 2024, because if you're a manager right now, next year, your hygienist is going to continue to take CE, I hope, and is yep. going to come to you and say, I want to do this, this, and this, and I want you to know about it before, you know, you get bombarded with the budget requests and everything. So good stuff. So Rachel, let's hold the production for a little bit, like more, maybe towards okay. the middle, okay? because the more we talked in the pregame, I wanted to know all about these new products and new ways to mm -hmm. treat patients. And the more you talk, the more excited I got. So which product of the ones we talked about really gets you excited? I would have to say, man, we're just leading right off with this. And <laughs> um, and I'll say at the time of recording of this podcast, mm -hmm. we do not currently have any type of official relationship with any of these companies that I'm going to mention right now. Now, that could change, but not as of today. Sure. So just a little preface, I'll leave everybody kind of on the edge of their seats for a minute is, <laughs> you know, we always get a lot of questions about one of the talks I've been doing a lot over the last year or so is, is profitable hygiene still possible, right? With the elevated compensation, you know, requests from hygienists and the reduction in reimbursements from PPOs, right? You kind of have this perfect storm that's happened over the last few years. And so a lot of teams are wondering, is this possible to even have a productive hygiene department without 
really packing them in and making it into a mill, you know, mm-hmm. and no, nobody, I don't think really wants to go that route. And so we always look at how can, how can what we recommend for our clients and how can what we, we do as clinicians as well be a triple win. It has to be a win for the patient first and foremost, mm-hmm. for the providers that are actually doing the treatment and then also for the practice. And so expanding the hygiene service mix is something that we have taught for years. And the great thing is that now there are so many additional products that are coming out that are very high quality and provide a huge level of service and um, care for our patients. So I would say the one that I'm honestly the most excited about is probably Curadont, Mm -hmm. which is by a company called Vivardis. It really is a revolutionary product. It is a biomimetic, so it mimics, right, the natural process of remineralization in the tooth. And mm-hmm. so it is a very easy to apply solution that is applied chair side and in a very incipient decay, instead of just watching it, it mm-hmm. can actually be treated and it builds a scaffolding of peptides, which then pull in hydroxyapatite from the saliva and it can regrow enamel. So it can heal some of those areas that we would typically watch. And what do we watch them do, Teresa? They just get worse, you know. Yeah, they just get worse, right? They progress. Yeah. They progress into the dentin and then they require, you know, surgical, you know, removal of that and a restoration that then needs to be replaced, you know, 10, Mm. 15, 20 years later. And the story goes on and on. So I'm super excited about that. And we have quite a few of our clients utilizing this technology now. Well, we also have a new... uh, procedure code for it. And that's that's going to start to be effective. Yep. 2024. And one thing that I, so I asked Rachel in the pregame, so who can apply this doctors or hygienists? And she said, anybody that can etch. And I was like, Ooh, I can etch. And then she's like, anybody that's allowed to etch. And that's different. So, (laughs) cause I can, anybody that is allowed to etch based on the state, the state, yeah. Dental laws and regulations. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be clear about that. Cause sometimes, you know, the the old assistant Teresa pops up and then, you know, and then she goes back (laughs) in her hole again, but, uh, (laughs) but it is, it's exciting for me because when Mm -hmm. I was attending the code maintenance committee meeting and they put this code up. It was one of the fastest approvals of a procedure code I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and the reason is, and a lot of people, there's a lot behind this. I'll just really make it a quick, quick explanation. When you come with a new code, it can't, it cannot be product based because if it's a Mm. product coming in, they're going to be like, no, you just want to get your product approved. Mm -hmm. But they had so much documentation, clinical background on the modality, how it actually works, the scaffolding that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And the way they presented it was so super easy to understand that even the people in the peanut gallery like me just sitting there, they broke it down so easily. And so it really was one of the fastest approvals I've seen by by the committee. And so that that got me excited. I started looking it up and there were some doctors there that I talked to and they were sending me studies and all that. And from from a layman's point of view, I don't have your clinical background. I don't have a doctorate and nothing. I I was it was easy to understand, mm-hmm. which tells me when we talk to our patients about it, it's going to be easy to understand. And so as an administrative team member, please understand the mechanics of this so that you can have the same conversations that are going on in the back. Because yeah. I do think this is going to save so much tooth structure yeah. in the future. So yeah, super excited about mm-hmm. it. I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, what it v- Vivardis, right? It's kind of a weird Vivardis. name. Vivardis. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a Swiss company founded by two Swiss dentists, female Swiss dentists. And it's been used in Europe for many years. So there's a lot of scientific data around it. And Mm -hmm. there were in late 2023, 
there were, I believe, two different articles, clinical research articles published in JADA. So make okay. sure you look that up because there's there is a lot of science behind it. And the cool thing is that coupled with the radiographic AI technology really then is going to reveal a lot of potential areas for treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very fast. So it can be done same day. And so that's a really neat way to serve patients. And also it's a great opportunity to expand the hygiene service mix. Yeah. Can I just butt in there just for a second? Because I always want to keep in mind that there might be people that are brand new to dentistry listening to this. Mm -hmm. So when we keep talking about service mix, and this comes Mm -hmm. up because somebody asked me when I was on site years and years ago, and she's like, what are you talking about service mix? Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, it's intuitive to us, right? So when we talk about service mix in an office, what other what other procedure can the doctor bring in? But for hygiene, you all have typically a limited period mm-hmm. of time. And so for you to bring in new service, a new service to be added in, it's really got to work in your time frame until you're yes. able to adjust the schedule. So for a service mix for you, typically, what do you have included in your service mix right now? You have fluoride, sealants, Perio treatment. What else? What else am I missing? So typically, yeah, I would say when we talk about the hygiene service mix, we're speaking about the different clinical services Mm -hmm. that can be performed and billed to the hygienist within the hygiene department. Okay. Because all of those services are going to add up to the production that is credited towards the hygiene product to the hygiene department. Okay. So the ones we typically think of, right, are the adult and child prophylaxis, which is a preventative care procedure, mm-hmm. radiographs that are taken in the hygiene department, periodontal care, whether that's active periodontal therapy, scaling root planning, or periodontal maintenance. Certainly then you have fluorides, you have sealants, you have antimicrobials that can be placed, you know, during scaling root planning or during a periodontal maintenance. Mm-hmm. Laser therapy. Yeah, it it expands and it also depends on the practice act in the state where you're working as well, how expansive that can be. Good. Um, I would say typically the ones that we mentioned already are pretty standard. Mm -hmm. But when you look at things like laser therapy, when you look at, you know, some hygienists in some states are able to, you know, place a restoration and carve a restoration. Yeah. So there are a lot of different things that hygienists can do. It's mm-hmm. just getting creative and kind of getting out of that profi box right. to really see what's possible. And what I will say without really going down a rabbit hole, Teresa, is <laughs> sometimes there's a mindset block around adding other services because either the hygienist or the team feels like, well, the hygienists don't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times why that is, is because of that single focus on the profi that when we kind of pick our head up and look, we can often realize, hey, there are ways that we can recover some time to provide higher level services for our patients. And that's one of the things that inspired hygiene that we help them do. Yeah. And you do a good job. I mean, I've, I've never sent anybody over to you and they came back and were like, that's terrible, terrible recommendation. Never good. had that. Good. I'm um, glad to yeah. hear that. <laughs> I would tell you, that's a good thing about being friends. Yes. I would absolutely tell you. You got really agitated, excited, not agitated, but excited, agitated when you were talking about AI and the charting. So tell us a little bit about that. Because yeah. Does that mean that I don't have to run back and make sure that you're covered and, and have to listen for you to call out the numbers? Is, is that what that yeah. means now? Yeah. So there are a number of 
I would say digital charting assistants, let's call it, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that is um, voice charting, you know, one of our favorites is Florida Probe. It's been around for a long time and they continue to innovate, honestly, to make their product better yeah. all the way up to some of the AI products that we have out now that are looking at radiographs, taking some of that information from radiographs and saving us time by doing things like auto charting, taking what's in the in the x-ray and then actually charting it in the patient's chart so that as a hygienist with a new patient in particular, I don't have to sit there and, you know, mark every crown and every filling that's super time consuming. Mm -hmm. And there are other ways to document that even with intro photographs or digital scans, things like that, so that we can capture that information in a much quicker way. But between all of this technology, I think there are some time savings. Now, obviously with anything, there's going to be a learning curve. Mm -hmm. And a learning curve typically translates into more time, right? Yeah. But once we invest the time, the goal is that we invest the time and then we're able to recover some time. And it also elevates our level of diagnosis and also elevates the patient's perception of us as a practice and what we're utilizing for their care, that it's you know state of the art. And oh, patients yeah. appreciate that. Oh, there's a total wow factor when you see the AI images. So I just want to clarify. So the images will be up on the screen. The AI mm -hmm. will read the images and be able to extrapolate bone height and chart that according to, I guess, according to their standards, right? Like, and then you could go in and customize which levels would be flagged as red yes. or, and you yes. know, like basically you want to call out yes. the, the perio disease. That's right. You mentioned the charting of restorations. Does it do that yeah. as well? That's amazing. Some, so I would say identifying the bone levels, showing the measurements of that and the mm -hmm. ability to customize what's going to be flagged. I feel like that's pretty standard across the AI platforms that we know now, right? The Pearl, Overjet, mm -hmm. Denti AI. Yes, mm -hmm. there is one in particular that I know of, the Denti AI, and the others may have something in the works. I just am not sure. aware. aware. So check with that. But yes, it can look at the the radiographs and the restorations that are viewed on the radiographs and chart it into the into the actual existing charting. So that saves a lot of time. What yeah. about soft tissue, though, like re recession? And I mean, yeah. that's kind of so. So the, but there has to be a check. Right. So you, the hygienist can't just go poof charting right. like th there has to be a check. Right. Obviously, oh, restorations. So yes, I guess maybe. Until the recession, until we're able to see soft tissue that for those of you that don't know, that doesn't show up on x-rays, mm -hmm. the hard tissue shows up. So that's we right. still don't know gum height and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that is uh, that still has to be manually looked at. But you're in the mouth. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you could do that. Yes. And I, I asked um, a periodontist recently who is pretty involved in some technology development, because, I mean, my guess is, you know, we're using this metal stick as, you know, the, the periodontal probe. And with all these other technologies, you know, why hasn't that evolved? And, and I, you know, my prediction was within five or 10 years, we'll be able to have some type of technology scanning device that's going to be able to sound to the base of the pocket to where the attachment is compared to the gingival margin and be able to give us readings. The response I got from the periodontist was, yes, but it's not going to be able to detect inflammation. And inflammation is our primary sign, like bleeding is primary sign of inflammation. Inflammation is what we're treating and, and that determines our diagnosis with regards to gingivitis or periodontitis. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, yeah, I think within 10 years, there's going to be a dramatic 
change in that. There's already been some sensor type probes. I mean, Florida probe has had an electronic probe for, I mean, at least 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so working off of some of that technology or adding to something like that, perhaps some type of heat sensing technology or something that can detect inflammation or pathogens. I'm sure that that type of technology is in development somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would expect within the next five to 10 years, we'll be seeing something like that. That's just a prediction. It's a good point that you make about the the learning curve, because usually when you, the, the pitch from the reps is always, this is going to save you so much time and money and all that. And, you know, one of the biggest lies is paperless means no paper, you know? And so admin yeah, right. is kind of like, yeah, right. Okay. We don't <laughs> believe you, but, um, but for something like this, you're right. It ha- there has to be a learning curve. So you yeah. can't, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater if it doesn't work right. out. You got to give yourself time on that. Yes. Uh, same thing with admin stuff. So the hygienists have to learn their stuff too. Managers, let them have some time. Let them have some grace. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. So you used one of my favorite words only because this was a spelling bee word way back in the day for me, which was desiccate. So uh, yeah, so desiccate and demeanor. Demeanor actually Mm. disqualified me from a spelling bee back when I was (laughs) very young. And you'll never get over that. Very bitter about the word demeanor. (laughs) So you said desiccate and I was like, ooh, we had to talk about that. So why on earth are you talking to me about desiccation, Rachel? What's going on with desiccation? Yeah, so that was another product that we talked about in the pre-show about services that the hygienist can add is there Mm -hmm. is a relatively new product called Hibinex that is a, they call it desiccation shock therapy. So it actually is desiccating and pulling all the water out of the pathogens in the sulcus Mm -hmm. and any diseased tissue. So that's something else to research and look into as well and see how it fits in with your periodontal treatment protocol because it can actually be utilized in combination with scaling root planting to kill pathogens on on contact. And it's very simple to place. I've used it as well mm-hmm. and pretty affordable as well. So I think it's a great solution okay. for just, you know, trying to clear the field to give the patient's immune system an opportunity to kind of jumpstart healing after active therapy. So this product, is it one-time use per patient or per tooth or per pocket? Like what's yeah, the- Yeah, it comes in a syringe. Okay. So it's dispensed in a, sir- a non-needle syringe, right? So it's just placed in the sulcus underneath underneath the tissue. So the pocket of tissue around the, the tooth that typically is where the periodontal infection begins. Okay. So it's, it's placed there. It can be used, you know, at multiple visits. I think- and one, what they say is one syringe can treat at least one arch. Oh, okay. And that was my experience that there's enough in there. Now, if you have someone that has extremely deep, you know, periodontal pocketing, then you may not get quite that much out of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's not a per site. It's more, a more, a broader treatment. So that's going to affect how you charge out for it, how you bill for mm-hmm. it, because the, you know, you have to make sure that the code you're using, is it per tooth? Is it per site? Because that really does make a difference in how you bill out for it. And yes. I know a lot of offices do the testing for the different types of pathogens yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is this for, is this, is this for any pathogen? Is it pretty much across the board or does it work specifically on, on certain 
certain bacteria or is it pretty uh, much just a shocker for all the all the bad yeah, stuff in there it's a shock so it's going to kill the microbes okay and you know one of the questions that's coming into my mind that i know will be asked that i don't have the exact answer to right now but i know that the folks at hibonex would is like does it also kill all the all the good bacteria right because that's yeah. something that we also need to be concerned and aware of as well Mm. But yes, I, it's not pathogen specific with regards to it's only going to work on PG, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it, it is going to work on those anaerobic bacteria that are down in that pocket. So it's it's pretty it's pretty effective in that regard. OK, OK, good, good, good. And yeah. the, the beauty about being admin is that I don't have to track that down. I, I turn to you and say, hey, Rachel, Miss Hygienist, go check yeah. that out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so- Okay, so we have the desiccator, we have the AI, we have, oh gosh, what was the other thing that I'm so excited about? Curadon. What mm-hmm. else are, are you looking at that you know you're going to be training teams on in mm-hmm. 24? Well, we have always been a big proponent of hygienists utilizing their ultrasonics to the maximum capacity. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, current research shows that the magneto ultrasonics and the piezo ultrasonics are just as effective as one is just as effective as the other. And I'll explain that in just a second. Okay. And then also that those are just as effective as hand instrumentation. So if it's just as effective, why would we not use a powered instrument versus, you know, our hand? Mm -hmm. And certainly there are going to be a percentage of scaling that the hygienist feels most confident doing by hand. But in our experience and my personal clinical experience and based on research as well, the vast majority of the scaling can be done using ultrasonics. Now, magneto and piezo are the two different types of technology. Um, And when I say technology, that's a a category, not necessarily a brand. And the, the piezo tips are tiny little metal tips, typically stainless steel that fit into a handle. And there's a unit involved that creates energy that moves that tip that then disrupts the biofilm and the bacteria and the the tartar, the hard tartar. Mm-hmm. The magneto is a long insert that has metal stacks on the end of it. So if you see something like that laying around and it has the scalar tip on the end and it just, it does the same thing. It just works in a different way. So the okay. technology is just slight, the engineering is slightly different on that. One of the new innovations um, and I have to give a shout out to my good friend, Noel Paschke. She and her husband, Rich, are ultrasonic engineers. Wow. And they have worked on lots of different ultrasonic technology and dentistry for decades. And so one of their products is just being released just at the end of 2023 through Parkell. It's called Duratip. And okay. so one of the things with Inspired Hygiene that we look at every time we go in and work with a client is the quality of their instruments. And it's interesting, Teresa, this is kind of a a squirrel moment, but I think it's relevant is it's really common for us to walk in and notice that the hygienists are using instruments that are very worn, whether it's hand instruments or it's ultrasonics. And either they don't know that they're as worn as they are, or they do know that, but they don't feel like they can get new instruments for whatever reason. Yeah. But here's the interesting part is then when we approach the, the the practice administrator and or the doctor owner and we say, hey, you know, hygiene really needs some new instruments. And we took a look at it and they're just very worn. They're always I don't remember one time over 20 years that they that they said, 
well, too bad. Like they just need to use worn out instruments. That never <laughs> happens, right? No. They say, well, gosh, like, yeah, we want them to have the instruments that they need to do a good job. Mm-hmm. And we're typically there, you know, helping them elevate their periodontal diagnosis and treatment. So they're going to be using these instruments more. Right. And they need to be able to do a very thorough, clinically effective job. Mm-hmm. And if you have worn out instruments, it's just like if a dentist were using a dull burr, right? They're not going to yeah. get the best prep. Right. What happens is, though they say, here's the deal. We want them to have their instruments, whatever they need, but can we space this out over time? And our Mm -hmm. answer is absolutely. So what I think probably happens is somewhere down the line, somebody said something like, hey, we need to put a pause on ordering any equipment that we don't absolutely need to have. And then two years goes by and the hygiene team still feels like they can't ask for, you know, new instruments or equipment. Mm -hmm. So that's not unusual. And it's just sometimes a communication breakdown. And then we can go in as a third party and kind of uncover some of those things and resolve that. So that's kind of the background of that. But the beauty of this new instrument is that all instruments wear, right? It's just for sure. It's just a matter of friction and use, right? And some of that metal is just going to wear away. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times the clinicians are not aware how worn it is. And they feel like they need to turn it up so that it works effectively. And that creates sensitivity for patients. And then it's this whole snowball effect. And so this particular tip is extremely durable. And even when it loses one to two millimeters of the metal, it works just as effectively as a new tip. So, yeah, so it's going to be a longer term investment, something that's going to last longer, I should say, and and having consistent performance. Mm-hmm. you know, rather than a gradual expected decline of performance in a traditional tip design. Wow. Well done to Noelle and her husband. For I that. know. That's amazing. Like yes. I've never designed anything like that before. Holy yes. cow. When are you getting your own instrument, Rachel? Oh You've got, gosh. there's gotta be a wall, That's... you know, two, three or whatever they call yeah. those instruments. We're going to leave that right? to Bogey. We're going to leave that to, to, to Emily Bogey, Dr. <laughs> Emily Bogey. I know. Designing I just, all the instruments. Yeah. I, I got to have her on. She's phenomenal too. She is. So she is. really an inspiration to a lot of hygienists, but yes. also administrators too. So I'll, I'll put a link to her, her page in here too. Cause I just think people should know who she is, yeah. but I think you should have your own instrument too, but that's besides, um, okay. we do squirrel, don't we? We really we do. do. <laughs> <laughs> we do squirrel um, well. <laughs> does the, does the, does Noelle's tip still come with the squee, you know, the noise that comes with it? Are yes, we still going to be does. hearing that? Yes. Oh, but here's the thing though, when you're using an instrument, an ultrasonic instrument that is in good working order, you can use it at a much lower volume. Uh, and okay. so then uh, that translates typically to a lower ear, like hearing volume and lower power and less water and all the above. So it makes it more comfortable. Oh, I, you know yeah. what? All these years, I never realized that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. interesting. Just a reminder to check out the companies who support the show. My friends at Synergy Dental Partners are offering two free months to try out their lower prices for labs, supplies, and select software services. To sign up, visit odysseymgmt.com slash synergy. And the link is also in the show notes. It's funny that you mentioned that about the instruments, because uh, back in the day when I used to go in, I would say, you know, when was the last time, you know, let's look at inventory and all of that. Mm -hmm. And the hygienist always would ask for stuff 
to me. And then I would say, you know, by the way, it's been a while since we ordered this, this, and this, because it seems like Arrestin was always what was routinely ordered along with fluoride. And it mm-hmm. was always, oh, Arrestin's so expensive. So mm-hmm. there was this perception, of course, that, you know, hygiene is expensive. And anytime we'd bring it up, you know, I would say most of the time the dentist or manager would say, well, why don't they just ask me? Mm-hmm. And right. it was usually because they did ask you and it was just like you said, they, Maybe they it was a bad day. I mean, they hit them at a bad month when expenses, right. you know, end of the quarter, end of the year whatever. Right. And so, you know, been kind of suffering silently. So hygienists, if you need this type of thing, please ask for it because as an administrator, if my pens don't work, I'm not going to just sit there and hope right. for the next, you know, budget. I'm going to be like, I need new pens, darn it. So yeah. do the same. I mean, believe me, the materials that we get for the hygiene department are way more productive than our pens. So we definitely need to put some budget aside for that. Yes. And what I would say too, is one way that you can maybe overcome some of that challenges because sometimes we wait and wait and wait. And then all of a sudden it is, okay, we need $6,000 worth of equipment. Mm -hmm. So is if you space it out and we always recommend having hygienists. So there are wear guides um, that go along with all the brands of these instruments. Okay. So they should have those. They're available from their manufacturer's rep. A lot of them have it on the website that they could just print it, print off the wear guide. Okay. And they lay the instrument over it so they can see how much it's worn. But doing that once a month, measuring all the, all the ultrasonic tips once a month mm-hmm. and then saying, okay, these two need to be replaced. Let's go ahead and order that so that you're gradually replacing things rather than waiting maybe to the end of the year. Right. And and then it's this huge kind of overwhelming order that get, makes people nervous and creates some of that tension. Yeah. Yeah. There was always a end of the year order. And I was always like, can't wait till next year. And then there was always, well, we need to do it this year so we can deduct it. And we right. need this and we need that. And I was like, yeah, but I right. have all this to do. Right. And so yeah. <laughs> always, there's always that push and pull, right? Yes. Always. One of the, uh, one of the, the topics that you and I always talk about, of course, is the financial aspect of hygiene. Mm-hmm. And if if we could move to that. So mm-hmm. what I what I you know, we back and forth with email and then we always do the pregame and and we always end up talking about this stuff anyways. But um, there's a lot of numbers that are thrown around for mm-hmm. production and, and what's good production and what's yeah. good pay and and, you know, it's like every, it's like people, when people ask this question, they are taking one office that's located in generic America yes. on Main Street with yes. the generic number of employees. And it's so different across the board. Um, so when I said to you, I and this is what I sent to Rachel, I'll just read it. So is 33% of production still applicable, blah, blah, blah. And so we talked about that and she got on, she said, actually, let's talk about that 33%. And so you gave me two different ways of looking at these percentages. Mm -hmm. So the first one was 33% of salary, 33%, I mean, salary and production. And you were really just looking at, we need to know what these numbers are before we can discuss it. So when you read that email from me, what was your first thought? Were you just think, I know you're like, okay, now I got to tell Teresa this, this, let's Mm -hmm. just, let's just lay it out there. What, what did you need to correct in that so that we can make sure we're talking mm-hmm. about apples and apples and oranges and oranges. Okay. So there's, there are several benchmarks that um, I would say are general benchmarks for a successful hygiene department. And like you said, it's all relative, right? So there mm-hmm. are variants. Um, so we need to take certain things into account based on the practice, but in, for a general rule, the first thing that I thought was you said, 33% of production. And I thought, 
Okay, so is she talking about hygiene producing 33% of the total office production? Or is she talking about paying the hygienists 33% of their production? Right. So those right. are two very different things, right? So just, so let's cover both of them. Okay. So Good. from a lot of our dental CPA friends that we have close contact with over the years, one of the things that they want to see is hygiene producing 25 to 30% of the total office production. Okay. Now, that I think held true and was a very fair benchmark when the general dentist was doing crown and bridge yeah. fillings and bread and butter dentistry. Yeah. And there was one, you know, dentist who had maybe two hygienists working with them in the practice. Mm -hmm. Things have changed a lot, right? In the last 10 to 20 years in dentistry, particularly in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. with super GPs. So super GP is a general dentist who has done additional training and is doing things like endodontics, surgical procedures, placing implants, doing mm -hmm. full mouth rehabs. And those types of procedures can dramatically elevate the doctor's production because if you're doing a full mouth rehab, this could be a $60,000, $70,000 case. Right. If you're doing an implant supported denture, that could be a $20,000 case, right? Mm -hmm. Or more, depending on how many arches you're doing. So what we have seen is that it may be difficult for the hygienist to hit that same percentage of total office production if they're in a super GP environment, for example, mm -hmm. or if they have multiple doctors and maybe they have multiple doctors, but they don't have as many hygiene patients. And also the other thing, though, for that benchmark that it is a trigger for is us to look at, again, we go back to the hygiene service mix. So it's very difficult if a doctor is doing high level procedures and the hygienist is still primarily doing adult prophies. Right. You know, that right. that is something that I'm going to say on the high end in a fee for service practice. You know, you're going to be able to produce if you take a set of bite wings and you do an adult profi at the high end, that's $200 mm -hmm. versus a doctor that's billing out $1,500 in an hour, possibly right. for a crown prep and a crown. So it's really hard to get those numbers to match up, right? And if you look at 30% of $1,500, it's about $500. Mm -hmm. So when we just do the math, it's getting more and more difficult. Now, it doesn't mean that it's impossible. Sure. And when we look at things like the hygienist expanding services to utilizing digital scanners and, and doing scans for bike arts and mm -hmm. whitening, utilizing the products that we mentioned today, making sure that they have a very robust periodontal diagnosis and treatment protocol. Yeah. Hygienists can be very successful in a production from a production standpoint. I just feel like, yes, we can have that range. Mm -hmm. But let's look at the practice specifically before we make a judgment on how well the hygiene department is doing based on that number only. Yeah, that that gap is is just widening so much. Yeah. And I feel like that number gets thrown around a lot. The 30 percent of, you know, and 33 percent, I mean, whatever group you're in, you get that number thrown a lot. So I, I just want to to rephrase this for, again, some of the newbies that are listening are newer to managing the hygiene department. So this benchmark was good back in the day when you and mm -hmm. I were coming up. That mm -hmm. was good because our doctors didn't do 
tons of implants all the time. They didn't, many of them referred out for everything, including endo and perio. So it really was the true bread and butter. So that number, like you said, was good. The CPAs verified that it was good. CPAs, you know, and this is where I'm hearing it is CPAs are saying Mm -hmm. this doesn't really work. And so we Mm -hmm. need to get the message out. Mm -hmm. So if your hygienist is falling under that, but you have this super GP, maybe the problem is not that the hygienist is not producing enough. Maybe that's, we, we need to really look at that. And Mm -hmm. I think there's offices where hygienists won't push back and say, Hey, this is a problem. And so we as managers have to be really fair and look at it from all angles. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because when I sent you that question, uh, you know, I I was rushing through and trying to dump all my thoughts on there. That's actually where I was going with that is why is, you know, why do we keep sticking with this number? But, in a regular bread and butter office, which there's nothing wrong with that. They get a lot of same day dentistry done. If you're in that office, then maybe that number works, but most of us are not. Most of us have dentists that are improving their own service mix, right? Yes. And so I would say, I think it's okay for it to still be a benchmark and for it to be a range. I would say the range is 25 to 30% of total office production. And then if you fall into that category, or if you say, Hey, we're at 22%, but we are a super GP, we're fine. Like that doesn't mean you stop investigating. It means there still could be opportunity to refine things in the hygiene department. Mm-hmm. It just is, it's just not a hard, fast rule, maybe the way that it used to be. And mm-hmm. then, and then if we take another look and this could take us down a whole squirrel that either, I don't remember if we've done this yet, but we could do another podcast about it. But then if we look at hygienists being paid 33% of their of their net production as a compensation model, that is another benchmark. And I would say that still should be a range. It still Mm -hmm. should be that 25 to 33% depending on, you know, is there a hygiene assistant? Like what is the overhead of the hygiene department? There's just different things to look at around that. You know, do the hygienists have an hourly base in addition to some type of bonus over that? So that's a whole nother benchmark and that's a really hot topic, right? We've done, mm-hmm. we, we have, um, one of the things I wanted to mention too, Teresa, that I think this might be a good time is every two months we do what's called a virtual growth form. And we've done topics like hygiene compensation and, you know, incorporating alternative hygiene scheduling models like assisted hygiene. And mm-hmm. so I would encourage everybody go to our website at inspiredhygiene.com. And two things, one is scroll down and look, you'll see a flyer for one of our upcoming growth forums. Um, so we do them every two months. So there's always one coming up and you'll see the mm-hmm. title of that. Register for that. It's completely free. And it's just very educational, interactive. We love for people to share their experience and whatever the topic is that we're that we're working on that day. Yeah. And then the other thing is, you know, if you feel like there's room to elevate your hygiene department, create some solid systems, really get your team calibrated so that you can have a strong year, you know, reach out, book a discovery meeting. You'll see that on there and that will be with me. So we'd be happy to just chat with you about learning more about your practice and chat with you about your goals for hygiene and just see if there's a way that we might be able to help. So valuable. I, I know that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know that um, I've sat in on a couple of your webinars. I don't know if I've sat in on one of those specific calls, but I plan to because uh, I honestly, it needs to be on my my radar to stay on top of things. One thing I wanted to bring up was as a manager, I got so concerned with making sure my doctor's production 
was great. And so hygiene was always kind of this little engine that, yep. that was always there. So I really didn't pay attention to it until I went to, and it's not around anymore, Career Fusion. Yeah. Uh, I went to Career yeah. Fusion and I, and I was, I think, one of only three non-hygienists there. And I had was talked into it from somebody and I was, I was on a CE junkie kick and I was <laughs> so glad I went because it was all hygiene. It was all about, yeah. you know, elevating the hygiene mm-hmm. profession. I didn't even want to be a hygienist. I was like, what am I doing here? But it really opened my eyes and then started attending under one roof, Mm -hmm. which I haven't been to in a while. And that's all for hygienists. But it made me realize like there was so much more we could do on the hygiene side. First of all, it made me appreciate uh, one of the hygienists that we had that really understood the business of it and how to make it work. It made me realize that we were just kind of pulling along another one that didn't want to improve mm-hmm. herself. And so, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I ha- would have realized that unless I had been around other hygienists that were right. so excited about Engaged. the business. Yeah. yeah. So I, I yeah. really do encourage you, even if you're not clinical and you don't, maybe blood makes you, you know, nervous or whatever, <laughs> still get on here because this is a big, huge part of your practice. And to be blind about the mechanics of it that's not a good manager point of view. I, I want you to know all the the parts of it. You don't need to know how an implant integrates, but you should know what an implant yep. service means to your practice. And yep. so uh, it's a nice, easy way to dip your toe in the water mm-hmm. is your, your every two months. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely we'll have a link on the show notes for that. Thank um, you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's super important. Uh, and anytime you can catch Rachel, anybody on your team, any, if you can catch Rachel and her team talking about the business of hygiene, I know that you guys are diff- different meetings. You're going to be at ADOM uh, in Vegas yep. in September. And I know you're yep. going to be teaching a workshop on that. That's yep. just, I mean, it's quality CE. So, so definitely look Thank that you. up. Yeah. So uh, one thing that is always on, it's always, it always comes up in conversation. So you mentioned fee for service practice. Okay. And so the natural mind of the manager is, yeah, but what about me? I'm in a mm-hmm. completely PPO practice. Mm-hmm. So that just kills it too. And I think that's, um, doesn't kill it. It just makes it harder to reach your goals. It does. It, it, yeah. it does make it harder. But again, we work with PPO practices as well. We've got one right now mm-hmm. that's coming to top of mind and there um, they had a dramatic production increase within one quarter of working with Inspired Hygiene because they weren't even diagnosing properly the, the, the care that the patients really needed mm-hmm. that would be a bit that they would have benefits for. So they, you know, they weren't really maximizing the care that they could provide to the patients. And mm-hmm. so once they had really clear systems for that, everybody was on the same page, even in that environment, they did really well and got a great return on their investment. Good. So, yes. So um, absolutely. I mean, Every patient, no matter what type of practice they're in, right, deserves to know what the state of their overall and oral health is. Mm-hmm. And that's our job to provide that and to to figure out ways to make it work with the patient's benefit and, you know, their financial situation so that mm-hmm. they can say yes to the treatment that we recommend. So that's our obligation, regardless of what our insurance participation is. And I know that you really believe that. And I do, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, yes, it can make it harder. And honestly, one of the things that we've been encouraging teams to look at, um, you know, this I was preparing with another podcaster for a program where we're going to talk about scheduling and kind of taking back control of the hygiene schedule. So be on the lookout for that. Okay. Um, if you guys follow me and Inspired Hygiene on social media, I'm sure it'll be out there. But 
you know, one of the things was your PPO involvement and how it affects your hygiene schedule. So if you're trying to grow your practice and you want to attract new patients, but you can't get a new patient in for four or five months, yeah, then it's going to be yeah. hard to grow your practice through new patients. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other ways to grow your practice, but for that particular one, it's going to be really hard. And so we always recommend, and this is really practices have been dealing with this, I would say in a much higher volume since 2020, right? Since Mm -hmm. that post-pandemic, when everybody came back to work and the patients came back to the practice, there's some practices that have been scheduling out that far for almost four years now. So it's really tricky. And so one of the things that we always tell them is, hey, are there any plans that are really hard to work with? Are there any plans that have really low reimbursements? Mm -hmm. Take a look at them. Because if you change your, you know, the way you work with those plans, it might open up some capacity for you to see more patients with higher level care. So just really look at those things because it it absolutely affects hygiene and their ability to be a, a, a clinical partner with the dentist and also productive part of the practice. Well, and I know that it uh, pretty much introduces some handcuffs on the salary. And one thing that I hear often is my overhead is getting killed. I'm just, I'm getting killed, you know, with salaries and not just hygiene. I mean, that's the easy answer because everybody's complaining, as you know, about hygiene salaries, but same thing with administrators, same thing with, I mean, we just have salaries all around. Absolutely. Do you feel that the hygiene compensation issue is, is evening out? Do you still think it's a huge pain point as it was say a year ago? Cause a year, I feel like a year ago, it was all anybody Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about. Do you feel like it's getting better? I feel like it's still a pain point, but I feel like folks are accepting it because Mm -hmm. they've had to. And now folks are trying to come up with a solution to make it profitable. So, okay. So if this is what that, where the hygiene compensation is going to be reset, how do we work with this? How do we make Mm -hmm. this work for our practice? And things will reset. It may result in Hygiene's not having another raise for a while, right? Because there was this huge percentage. We'll see how things shake out. But, you know, I'm just speaking, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just speaking from a perspective of the employers that we work with is there is going to be some type of reset or some type of adjustment made to accommodate that increased compensation need. And so it is things like, Okay, how can we addition we offer additional services? That by the way, it again it has to be a win for the patient. So it has to be clinically necessary and clinically beneficial for the patient. And then by the way, it also is going to, you know, benefit the the practice and and a lot of times the provider as well by increasing production. The thing that frustrates me the most, and I'll 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 just say it, you know, is when hygienists are requesting this high compensation rate, but not expecting to change anything in their cl- the clinical performance. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, because honestly, I would say eight to nine out of 10 dentists that I talk to say, you know what, I'd be happy to pay a hygienist $65 an hour, you know, and I think that we can get the production up, but they've got to be willing and open to do what it takes to create the production that justifies that, that compensation. But if that's think- there, I'm happy to pay that. 
I think that's fair. I mean, I and too. I hear it on the admin side. I hear it too. You know, I, I, somebody will call me and say, you know, I, I, and I know this person, they're a hard worker and they'll say, well, I found out that at the office down the road, they're getting $15 an hour more. And, you know, so that's a what lot. I'm going to ask, <laughs> I'm going to ask my, well, it's, 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 the poaching is outrageous yes, out there. You yes, know that. Yes. So, um, you know, she'll say, well, I want to ask my boss for, I don't, maybe I won't get 15, but maybe I'll get 10. Well, what have you done differently? Right. Well, you know, it's the, it's the going rate, it's the market. And so I understand that, but at the same point, like you don't know what that office manager down the street is doing. That's right. Maybe, That's maybe, right. She, maybe he or she is waving a magic wand and money's just falling out of the ceiling. You know, yep. what are you doing yep. in order to do that? So again, we're always doing this from right. Paris and keeping up with the Joneses, but what if the Joneses is all smoke and mirrors, you know, um, right. which is a lot of times too, when you just read what somebody's making, it's yes. not the same. So, you it's know. all relative. Just like, yeah. Just like we were saying with regards to, you know, production amounts and and the percentage of production, all of that. Right. You've got to look at mm -hmm. the details of what does this entail? Um, but, yeah, I think anytime, anytime, you know, we look at increasing our fees or anytime we look at a new program, we look at how can we bring value? So when, I mean, with any type of product, whether you're a team member asking for a higher, you know, wage, whether you are presenting some type of product to the market, we have to look at how are we bringing value that is going to far exceed the cost mm -hmm. of that, right? Because the, the goal is we want to get multiple times return on our investment. For sure. So, so if there's a team member that's getting paid you know, $25 an hour, but yet they're presenting treatment plans that are closing at a very high rate, yes. you know, all day long, then yes. yeah, that dentist is like, I'm happy to pay them more because they're at, there's a strong return on my investment. They're really putting a lot of energy and effort into that. The frustration I think comes when, when the effort does not match what is being requested for compensation. And I will mm -hmm. say too, and I've said this before, in different forums is that business owners will find a way they will find a way and yeah. it might be not hiring hygienists at all. And yeah. at some point, if that becomes the trend, that's going to be a rude awakening, you know, in five or so years right. when there's not the demand for hygienists, because we've seen this, you and I have been around long enough that mm -hmm. we've seen things cycle in and around. And yeah. I don't, I'm not necessarily predicting that, but business owners will find a way to accommodate that, whether it is, and particularly business owners that have the primary share of legislative influence over, mm -hmm. you know, state practice yeah. acts and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I don't, I'm not saying we should be afraid, but we just need to be aware of all those things. And I think as a professional, we need to be bringing our A game. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, the, you and I are mostly in the small, small group to solo office. Like that's, that's right. kind of where we live. Right. Yeah. And what I see is the larger groups and DSOs have the money to pay a lobbying organization to get the word out to perhaps, you know, bring in or open up more dental schools and open up more hygiene schools or perhaps 
not, Ex- you know, or I mean, expand what assistants can do. And yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's a, I think there's one or two states just recently that uh, have introduced bills at Massachusetts might be one of them that introduced bills for foreign trained dentists to be able to do hygiene. Mm-hmm. That's going to really mm-hmm. change the hygiene market makeup of wherever that's uh, yeah. put in. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, as a, as an administrator, my job is to make sure that I'm looking out and I'm aware of this. And as a hygienist and a hygiene educator, your job is to keep track of that too and make sure that, you know, there's zig and zag that accommodates it. I think it's important for any office to be flexible to handle uh, any of these changes that come down. I think that's the hard part is I see sometimes offices that are just standing in place. There's mm-hmm. not much change. And then something comes along and just bulldozes them. It's yeah. Sad. Yeah. Flexibility is a big term right now. I think we all have to be flexible and we've mm-hmm. got to keep a flexible mindset yeah, because a lot of folks have gotten very rigid in what they think should be. And either it's something that's outdated and it doesn't fit with, you know, today's world. I was mm-hmm. reading a, a thread about team members asking off or call or asking for like the next day off and they have a whole book of patients like that's extremely disruptive. Yes. But then the flip side of that is, yes, we expect six months, you know, request on a vacation or something. And it's like, I mean, I could see if it were like a two week vacation But if you're expecting someone to know six months out when they need to take one day off, Mm -hmm. that's not really realistic today. You know, again, that was realistic 10 years ago. It's not really realistic today. So Mm -hmm. how can we be flexible? How can we um, how can we have some cushion right uh, within our staff to accommodate? And that's a tough thing right now because there are still some areas, particularly remote and rural areas that are having a real hard time recruiting hygienist. I think some of the more metropolitan areas, it's definitely gotten easier. Um, But flexibility is key in in everything. Oh, and also, you know, looking at what other businesses do other than dentistry. So Matt is your husband is, is he in corporate America? No, he is a solo business owner in commercial real estate. Okay. So he probably, so he's probably on our side of it. So my husband is in, was in corporate America for years. And so I would say to him, you know, what are we going to, same thing like, oh, well, my boss is going to be on vacation here and maybe we should make plans to go on vacation. He's like, why are we planning vacations around, you know, and they're good friends, but he's like, why are we planning our vacations around his vacation? That's the way it was always done. Yeah. And then the same thing would be, you know, I need to take a day off. I'm just whatever. And then I would say, no, I can't because we have a full schedule and all that. If he was not feeling well and was feeling sick, he called in. Meanwhile, I have like guilt and just sitting around and agonized for an hour when I wake up in the morning feeling sick. Do I call in? Do I not? Oh, it's too late now. And and so I just remember him going, this is a really weird industry you're in, you know, and, but it is, it's the small business. It's, it's what you and and it's I healthcare. grew up in. I mean, you're, it's healthcare. You're, yeah. It's going to affect the other eight people and their schedules. And then can we get them back in? And then it's just like escalates. Right. So yeah, you think long right. and hard, hopefully before calling out. I mean, that, I, I, that was a very, very rare thing. Fortunately, mm-hmm. knock on wood. You know, and sometimes it just can't be helped. But but I think being flexible and having a pool also of candidates that can step in or, Mm -hmm. you know, Jennifer was just mentioning to me today the concept of having, you know, multiple hygienists that are job sharing one position. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's been something that's really common, but it's Mm -hmm. been very rigid in the past with this hygienist works, you know, Monday, Tuesday, this hygienist works Wednesday, Thursday, and that's kind of the way it is. But yeah. even then, you know that they they would switch out. They would say, hey, can you switch days with me? We're going somewhere on Monday. 
mm-hmm. that would work. So now, you know, how can we be even more flexible around that? And I will say what that is going to lend itself with is still more calibrate the need for more calibration amongst team members, more training so that the patients can see any provider in your practice and have the same continuity of care. Right. And I think that that's another, another, we've got to train our patients to be more flexible too. So we've got to be more flexible. And then there's a way that we can train them to be flexible and it takes time. If you've had a, this patient only sees this provider kind of, you know, modeling your practice. Yeah. Yeah. I see that a lot. That's where, a way and, of the future, you know, and, well, and the other thing that I see too is, well, we can switch out, but you know, we got to put them in that operatory because this is my operatory. And that was always right. something too. I'm sure that that's yes. just triggered some people. Cause I was like, Oh, really? oh me, just... you know, I mean, oh. it, it triggers me thinking about going into a blind operatory and you feel like you don't know where you are, you know, <laughs> like, yes, I work here. I don't, you know, it makes you feel yeah. like you look to the patient, like you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. And I was always the manager that was like, every room has to look the same. And then, yes. you know, it's, and then it was boring. And, and but we're you know, seeing but I, that more but and more. You need that. That's you need right. That. And more practices are recognizing the need for systemization. And, mm-hmm. and so we'll circle back <laughs> to these products, right? Expanding service mix is don't do this all at one time, right? Don't just mm-hmm. dump all the, come go to a conference and dump all this stuff on your hygiene team at one time. Like take it one product at a time. And develop your process, right? Develop a system around it. Develop your communication to the patients about it. Develop your standards of care around it so that it really becomes integrated. Otherwise, you bring all these new things and then everybody gets frustrated and half of them, you know, you never do again. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I remember those days. Yeah. So, all right. So, Rachel, we are, again, a time always flies. And we didn't squirrel as much as we usually do. This is good. This is good. So, (laughs) all right. So tell everybody how to find you. And again, the series that you have every two months, let's bring that up and then we'll close out. Yep. So just find us at inspiredhygiene.com. You'll see there a link to book a discovery meeting. If you're interested in learning how Inspired Hygiene can help you elevate your hygiene services, systems, and your profits. And then look on that homepage as well for our growth forum. You'll see a notification there. We do our virtual growth forums every couple months. And they're always topics that are top of mind for practice leaders, whether that is a practice manager, an owner, a lead hygienist, um, whatever you may be. We really try to look at the hot topics that you're really are top of mind for you. And so we also love to hear what those things are. Um, and so you can also email me at Rachel, R-I-C-H-E-L at inspiredhygiene.com. Perfect. Well, thank you for everything. Thank you for all you do, you and your team. Thank you. Yes. And uh, always, you are always welcome back. I think we're doing this um, about yearly now, which is probably not enough, but that's good, right? You always give us the whole hygiene landscape. So thank you for that. And dear listeners, I hope that you're enjoying not just the audio, but the video of this. Some of you are catching us on YouTube, which is so new to me still, but kind of fun, kind of exciting. So I always appreciate that you spend your time with me. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in the episode. You can also find links for my book, events, and my online insurance course, Dental Insurance Design and Management. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.